Shout amen. Find somebody, make them uncomfortable, high five them a little bit, um, and let them know that you're glad that they're here. Smile really big so it just makes it seem awkward. Smile really big. Um, let them know. Ha, all right, all right. All right. Somebody's going to ask you where you went to church today. And from the sounds of it, it's going to be like I came to that happy church. <laughs> that happy, joyful, smiling church. They just smile at you all the time, no matter what. Um, I'm excited. Let's, let's, I want to get into this, but we are in the, the middle, not the middle. We're in the first leg of our 21 days of fasting. And I just want to reemphasize to you how important this time is. And many times, you, as a pastor, I'll get a text, I'll get a call, why, why do we fast? Why are we doing 21 days of fasting? You just, you just do it because everybody else is kind of doing it at the beginning of the year. You, you, and you know how you have some people who just say, I'm not going to do something because everybody else is doing it, and that's their reason not to do it. But I want to challenge you that when you give up something for um, a spiritual purpose, something meaningful to you, God always responds. Um, the reason that we do this here at this church is we believe in giving God the first of our year and everything. And, and 21 days may seem like a lot, but in comparison to the, the other 11 months, giving him our first, having um, a sense of his power, his presence, his direction, um, his instruction for our lives, both corporately um, and for you individually, is just so important. So I want to challenge you who've never done this or have never been a part of something like this, even if you've kind of fallen off the wagon in the first week, um, to just stay on, just keep going. Some people say, well, I, I messed up a day, so I might as well just quit. No, no, that's what the enemy wants you to do. You just keep on going. Um, and you just finish, um, finish your fast, finish your time of prayer. Um, and God will honor that. I, I promise you he will honor that every time in his word where somebody fasted, um, there was a response from God. We find Ezra fasting, and the Bible says that God answered him, and he answered his prayer. He tells, Jesus tells his disciples, he said that there's certain things in your life that only come out. How many of you want some things that, be honest and say, some things got to go in my life too. Um, and so the Bible says that there's certain times where these things only come out by prayer. We do that and fasting. Um, we don't know why. Is there, is there a reason, Pastor, that you got to give up food or give up something? We just know that God has instituted something spiritual to help us to break the strongholds in our life, the things that are controlling us. But if you want a real concise reason why you fast, it's very simple. It's a way to disconnect from the world and connect to God. Um, and he honors the fact that you're saying there's something more important about you, God, than whatever it is that I've been holding on to so long. So I want to encourage you to stay the course to go the distance, and if you've fallen off, don't let the enemy get you in condemnation saying, what's the use? Just finish. you got 14 days. Finish it, and I trust that God will move in your life. All right, let's get into it. We're talking about uh, this is your year um, and total health for the total person. This is really, I'll be honest with you, in some way or another, we're probably going to be in this vein the entire year. Um, as I was closing out 2019, God put on my heart so strong that we have to get strong. Um, as the people of God, we have to get healthy um, as the people of God. And now what this is not, is this not some name it and claim it, call it and haul it, grab it and grab it. 
message. It is us coming in line with the desires of heaven and the desires that God has for us. The scripture that we started with last week was in 3 John. If you missed it, 3 John verse 2 is something you should memorize. It says, uh, Behold, I wish in all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And so God has designed us to walk in health as a total man, but that health requires us to be aligned spiritually as well as physically. How many of you know that sometimes the physical follows the spiritual? Um, you know, when you look at things and you see things in the flesh, usually there's something in the spirit going on as well. So we spend a lot of time just laying groundwork for being spiritually healthy. We talked about the fact that uh, God holds success in his hands. And if God holds success, which simply means to move forward or to progress, if he holds our success in his hands, we have to get in a place where he'll release what he has. Somebody say release. And we need a release in our lives and we know who has what we need. Then we have to come in line with his desires so he can release for whatever it is, the peace, the healing, um, the instruction, the direction. Uh, many times we're frustrated in our lives because we don't have direction uh, for our lives. It's not that we don't have resources. We just don't have direction. We don't have instruction. We don't have a vision or a purpose for our lives. And so when we uh, come into the in alignment spiritually and become spiritually healthy, we can begin to see uh, differently. How many of you know you can't, and I'm getting into today's topic, but I want you to understand something. You can't look at your hands or your feet or your arms and ask them to see and hear. You follow me? You can't ask them to see and hear. That's the job of what? Yes, the job of the eyes, and it's the job of the ears which reside in the head. And so that's why we have to be totally healthy. We have to be mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy, physically healthy, and we've got to be financially healthy. But today we're talking about emotional health, which I think has gotten either – there's a stigma to this because we don't want to talk about these types of things in church. But when I began to research and realized that in the United States alone, as of 2019, things like the suicide rate were 30, 33% higher than they are in other parts of the world. And I began to ask these questions, is there a difference now between these rates of, of suicide and divorce and other things? Is there a difference outside of the church as there is inside of the church? And when you look at a lot of these statistics, Sadly, they're exactly the same. And this isn't uh, to bring condemnation, but to say, if we have something different as believers, our relationship with Christ should now infect these other areas in our lives so that there is a difference than there is in the world. Can we say amen? Now, I know this is hard to hear, but because we have a relationship with Christ, it doesn't mean that we don't go through the same tests, the same struggles, the same trials as someone who doesn't, but we have an answer. And we have to learn to tap into and, and access the answers that God has given us. And I thought one of the most important things for our lives is really being emotionally healthy. And here's what I want you to take a picture of this, make a note of this, and don't ever forget this, this quote. Dr. Caroline Leaf, who's a, a, a neuroscientist and also um, she's very well recognized as a believer um, in brain-based research and other things in psychology. But she says this, she says, we cannot truly live for God or transform our societies if we hate what we see in the mirror. Now, I want this to sink in for all of us because, as I said last week, many of us have learned to do church. We've learned to smile. We've learned to say the right things. We've learned to say, how are you doing? I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. I'm walking in the favor. All these things we know how to say, but on the inside, we're messed up and we're, we're jacked up, and, and sometimes we don't even know why. Um, and I said, well, 
what is it that brings us to a place where we hate what we see in the mirror? Why is this important, Pastor? Because what I see in the mirror is going to affect how I treat other people. It's going to affect how I deal with the other areas of my life. But our emotional health begins with having a firm understanding and a love. Watch this. And not an arrogant love, but a love for what I see when I look in the mirror. How many of you know what we look at sometimes in the mirror? We're actually looking at a distortion of what's really there. You can look in a mirror and nothing can be wrong, but what's going on on the inside of you will make you feel like everything is wrong. Are y'all with me? Okay, this is, this is important. I don't want you to miss it. Probably the most important message of this series today, so stay with me. Uh, what happens in our lives is we go through things and we go through interactions with people and we go through interactions with situations and these situations, they put labels on us. Say labels. And so the labels that uh, our circumstances and people have put on us affect what we see in the mirror. And now watch this. Because we now walk around wearing the labels that have been put on us by our circumstances, that have been put on us by our situations, now when I come in contact with you, I expect you to see what I see. So now you can't get through to me because I think you're looking at the same labels I'm looking at. And so when, when someone's put a label on you that says inadequate, that says not enough, not good enough, failure, all these things that we put on ourselves, now I think when I come in contact with you, you see the same thing. So I don't treat you based on what you think. I treat you based on what I perceive you think. And all of a sudden, now we can't have an effective relationship. We can't have a productive relationship because I'm not even honest about what I'm really looking at in the mirror. The more dangerous part of this is that when we have uh, a distorted view of what we look at in the mirror, we have a distorted view of who God has made us. Now, not only do I can't have a productive relationship with you, now emotionally I start to blame you for my own problems. It's quiet in here. Anybody honest enough to say they've been through some of these things where, where because of what I was going through, it's your fault? Even though all you tried to do was help me. So we've got to get back to the place where we can see properly what we should be looking at in the mirror. What we see when we look in will determine our outlook. Here's a short version. In, in look determines outlook. What I see on the inside of me will affect what I see coming at me. So if I feel inadequate when I have a test come my way, I don't feel like I'm up to the task. And this isn't about... Being, me being totally equipped in my own strength, but knowing that I've got God on the inside and because I've got him on the inside and that he's for me and not against me, when something comes against me, I don't have to back down. Here's the other thing, though, why emotional health is so important. It's so important because some of us make decisions not based on what is right, but based upon how we feel. And sometimes, say this, my feelings are wrong. Y'all struggle to say that. Because how many of you know that what you feel is what you feel? And those feelings say my feelings are right. But they might still be wrong. <laughs> if, I, if you tell me I'm upset, I can't say no, you're not. <laughs> That's how you feel. But we've got to deal with why you feel the way you feel, or else your being upset will direct your decisions. This isn't a get happy type message. 
But it's one we've got to get rooted and stronger as believers in this area because I see so many relationships just falling apart for this reason right here. Because some of us have zero emotional control. This is why we say things and then we have to go back and say, I really didn't mean that. I'll get to that. Here's the thing, though. Why, pastor, should I love myself? Because isn't that wrong? I mean, isn't it wrong to love myself? Wait a minute. Let's see what Jesus says. Jesus answered him, and he said, the first of all of the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall do what? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So it starts with a love for God. As you come into church, as I've said this many Sundays, my biggest fear, one of my biggest fears as a pastor is to sit in church every Sunday and not know God and not grow in my love and my relationship for him because that's where it starts. I got to love God. And now here's what he says. I love him with all of my heart and with all of my soul. What's my soul? This is a little bit of teaching. My soul is a place that affects where I make my decisions. It's my will. It's my intellect. This is why we have to prosper and succeed in our soul because it affects every other area. You say, well, this is too deep for a Sunday. No, just, just understand for a minute. Wouldn't you want the place in you that's making decisions and going a direction in your life to be healthy? This is why we choose things, watch this, for us that are unhealthy. Because in our soul, there's something that's off. And so it has to be in alignment with God. When, it's, when, it, when it comes into alignment with God, we can begin to see clearly and think clearly and fear clearly so we can make the right, direct, uh, right decisions. So soul, the place where I, my thought, my intellect, my decisions, my will, all of that resides in the soul. And he said, with all your mind and with all your strength. So we have to love God with everything. Every time we come into the church, the preaching, the singing, all of this is good, but that's not a relationship with God. All it should do is help us to, to build a relationship with God, that I love him so much I do anything for him. I love him so much that I treat other people right. But here's the part that's interesting. That's the first commandment, but he says the second one is just like it. He says, you shall love your neighbor as you love who? Wait a minute. That just, we read scripture so fast. How can I love you if I don't love me? Love your neighbor as you do yourself. So when we see that we, either us or somebody else, is treating other people wrong, we've got to go back and say, wait a minute, what's the real issue here? Because if I love you like I love me, all should be well in theory. But if I can't treat you right, I've got to examine what's going on on the inside of me. Because watch this, there may not be anything wrong with you at all. Oh, I just can't stand them. Wait a minute. I know none of y'all ever said that because all of y'all are saved. You never said, I can't stand the person you're living with, right? Nobody said that. <sighs> quiet, quiet, quiet. I just can't. You make me sick. I'm just scratching. I'm trying to provoke you a little bit because I know none of y'all would ever say anything like that to people you claim to love. You get on my nerves. All, all these things we say. But we have to ask ourselves when we say them, what's really going on on the inside? When I say, I can't stand you, am I saying I can't stand you or am I saying I can't stand me? When I say you make me sick, am I really saying I make me sick? And so 
everything that we do, every interaction that we have with someone else requires us to really evaluate our own emotional state in order to deal properly with other people. Because they're really, when everything is aligned right on the inside, regardless of our differences, regardless of whether we agree on everything, I should be able to love you. Say this with me. I should be able to love others. But, but, but you don't know what they did. They're just beyond hope. Wait a minute. When you look at the cross, what makes you think you weren't beyond hope? The cross reminds us that there's nobody that's beyond hope. The cross, when we look at it, is a stabilizer. It's an emotional stabilizer. When you think things are out of control, look at Jesus. When you think things are, are, are all falling off the tracks, look at who? Look at Jesus, who had to sit there on a cross and die for people who were spitting on him. He healed people who turned on him later. Read your Bible. Read it. I mean, really read it, and you'll find that the same people he healed, the same people that he fed were the same people that said crucify Emotional health. I'm going to give you a verse that I want you to ever, ever forget. Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. Like the way the Amplified says it, because it really expands it some. It says, like a city that is broken down without walls, leaving it unprotected, is a man who has no self-control over his own spirit or emotions and sets himself up for trouble. This is, this is why this is so important. How many times did you see an argument? It, it started as an argument and ended with somebody dead. You see things, people on the road, and because somebody got cut off, somebody got, I'm just real talk, somebody got cut off driving somewhere, and now somebody's got a bullet in them because someone had no emotional control. Now let's bring it home. How many things have we said and done to other people sometimes simply because we couldn't reel it in? It's quiet in here. All y'all get this right all the time? Y'all look good, man. I got the wrong message. I'm preaching to a bunch of perfect people who never get this wrong. But if there's a person who ever said something that they shouldn't have said, at what point do you bring your emotions and your spirit under control and go back and say, I'm sorry? I was wrong. I missed that. I spoke too soon. Watch this. I spoke too soon. I spoke based on what I saw and not on what I know. Emotional. Say emotional. Control. This is not hiding feelings. It's not the same thing. But it's saying, I know what I feel, but do I know what to do with what I feel? How many of you jumped on somebody for something that they didn't do before you realized the whole story? Think about it. It happens all the time. Why? Because we make judgments on other people's actions, but we want to be judged on our intentions. I meant well, but did you do well? John, come up here for a second. I want to show you something and bring, bring this brother here with you, too. Y'all come up here. Yeah, this one right here. Come on. Come on, real quick. I need you. I need you because I'll, I'll preach till 12 o'clock. We ain't got 12 o'clock to be here. I just want to show you something real quick. I'm not going to ask you to talk, but I want y'all to stand back to back to each other. I want to show you, show you something. Back to back, back to back. There you go. Back to back. And so here's what happens. This represents one, one man. 
This represents how God wants us to live, totally healthy. He wants us to be what? Spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy, physically healthy, financially healthy, and so on and so forth. One man, total man, total health, one man. But what happens in our life is we claim that we are believers. We name the name of Christ. Watch this. I'm, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. Um, the Holy Spirit rests inside of me. But what happens is, watch this, and this is where our emotions get messed up, is when my actions don't line up with what I say, walk in different directions. And so now we have a problem because we're divided. Stop. One man going in two different directions. I love God. I love God. I don't love my neighbor. See where I'm going? I love God, but I say whatever comes to my mind. I'm a believer, but if you mess with me, I'll cuss you out. Come on. I'm not, I'm not talking about one-time mess-ups and things that we saw, but I'm talking about people who have no emotional control because a life, it's a lifestyle of a divided person. And to be totally healthy, there must be, y'all come back together, slowly, alignment. This is why we come to church. This is why we read the word. This is why we fast. This is why we pray. Why? To bring alignment <laughs> back to the desire. So, so we come. It's not that I don't mess up, but when I realize y'all walk apart again, then I'm going off the path. I get in the word and God brings alignment back to my life. Y'all can sit down. Thank you. So does that, does that make sense? Does that make sense? I'm, I'm teaching Today, not so much preaching, but teaching because many of us, our minds and our hearts are messed up, not because we're bad, not because we're, but simply because there are things that are out of alignment. Can I go deeper? There's a difference when your relationship is in tune. This ain't February. <laughs> Some of y'all catch that later. You know, when people get upset with each other on Valentine's Day. Publix is funny on Valentine's Day, man. Everybody, y'all are paid 10 times more for a balloon on Valentine's Day. <laughs> and they know it because you messed up. Some of y'all need to stock up February 15th. Get your cards for next year. <laughs> it's okay to laugh in church. Just go on, go on, it's 50% off. Go on, put it in your drawer somewhere. And next year, bring that card out just like you got it. <laughs> just like it's new. They don't know the difference. <laughs> Pastor, you're exposing yourself. <laughs> Say this with me. It is the thought that counts. <laughs> we say that, but if you come home with the wrong chocolate, <clears throat> you know I don't like the ones with cream in it. That's how some of y'all are, to be honest. Anyway, let me get back to this. Alignment is so important. And when you, you, even in your friendships or your relationships, whenever there is not alignment, there is, say, friction. And so what we've taught sometimes in church and Christianity is that you will have victory without a struggle and without a fight. But whenever you're dealing, and just like spiritually, making spiritual and practical applications here, when the spiritual man and the physical man are at odds, you have friction, so you have to bring them back into alignment. It's the same thing you have to do with relationships and friendships. You just have to bring them back into alignment. But what I found is some people don't want to work hard to do that. If we have a misunderstanding, uh, Brother Lloyd, we have a misunderstanding. You and I have a misunderstanding. Are we going to work to bring it back into alignment or are we both going to assume he's wrong? You know what I mean? And so that's what happens. We, we make all of these decisions based on how we feel. I got to be right. 
I got to have the last word. You ever met somebody like that? They got to have the last word in everything, no matter what. I said it was blue. Well, it's not really blue, it's aqua. <laughs> okay. It's a form of blue. <laughs> y'all sound like y'all never had somebody that you met that had to have the last word in everything. You know, I know the GPS says this, but I know a shortcut. <laughs> Let me stop. I'm not going to go. See, I, I don't want to mess up y'all Sunday. All right. We have the ability to control our emotions and our attitudes. How many of you know? You, here's the thing. You can mess up everything with a bad attitude. Somebody could have your blessing in their pocket. They could have their ble- your blessing. They could be the answer to your prayer, but you can't ever get to it because you've got a nasty attitude. Sometimes it's, you, it's okay to be nice to people. You never know, you, you never know somebody that God has designed to get you to, to the next level in your life. And it's not that we use people, but sometimes he does things through relationships, but we don't understand it because we don't know how to treat people because of our own emotions. It didn't cost you anything to encourage anyone. Giving up control of our emotions means giving up protection. It's like toothpaste. You've heard this illustration. You squeeze the bottle, try to get it back in. This is why it's important for us to really think through some of the things that we say and not always just say things because we got upset or to say things because we've been pressed or to say things uh, because we're having a struggle. We say things. How can we say to the people that we love, I hate you? Because of a temporary circumstance. There's some people, there's some friends, if you be honest, there's some friends you lost because they had no emotional control. Somebody told them something about you, and rather than live and relate to you based on what they know, they made a decision based on what they heard. Say emotional control. Our emotional state will bring us blessings or they'll detract them. Let's get real for a minute. You ever, you ever met somebody and you're around them for about two or three minutes and you're like, y'all waiting for something else. That's what I'm talking about. They haven't said anything yet. You just got in their presence and you're like, then they started talking and you're like, Inside, you didn't say this to them, but inside you're like, I don't want to deal with this person. (laughs) This is why it's important to have alignment between words and actions and attitude. Because no one, it's difficult for people to want to deal with somebody that's different every time they meet them. In other words, I get a different representation of you every time we meet. No, I got to be comfortable enough with who God made me that you're not getting a surprise every single time. Some people, they just, they're jokesters. They're going to joke all the time. And that's good because I know every time I get around you, I'm going to laugh about something. And there's some people, they love you one minute, they hate you the next for, for no good reason. And so we've got to begin to realize it's not always an issue with me. And this is where I want to get emotionally. 
it's not always an issue with you if somebody has a problem with you. Are we there? You understand me? Are y'all still, don't fall asleep on this. Some of us are, we get messed up in our minds because we think every broken relationship is our fault. Years ago, I'm not, you know, I'm not perfect, but I got free from that. I'm like, if you, if you got a problem with me, after I say I'm sorry, after I say please forgive me, if you still have a problem, then we just got to agree to part, part ways. Because you, some of you live in bondage to the opinions of others. This, this hitting home with somebody yet? Because I'm still, I'm going to provoke you a little bit more before we worship. But some of us literally, we live in a chain to the opinions of others, and it messes our self-esteem up. It messes our ability to be productive enough. You ever been on a job where something you, you just, as hard as you tried, you couldn't do good enough for somebody? You did your best, and it still wasn't good enough. You tried to treat everybody right, and it still wasn't good enough. You tried to do this, and it still wasn't good enough. And you go home, and you hate yourself, and you blame you because of other people's criticism. Say this with me. Say, I did the best I could. Some of us simply need to practice that. We just simply need to practice that. Emotional health begins with realizing that we're not slaves to our circumstances. This is where I get excited about this. Because some of us will live years in a relationship with God, a relationship connected to Jesus, and not realize that we're simply not a slave to what the enemy is trying to do in our lives. Yeah, I'm going through this, Pastor. I'm broke. I'm messed up. I'm sick. I'm this. I'm that. You are not a permanent victim. And you got to believe this. you got to believe this with all of your heart that everything I'm going through is not permanent. It may be present, but it's not permanent. And if it's not permanent, that means it can change. It's the, well, the doctor said it can never change. I don't care what the doctor said. God said that it can change. You, anybody still believe in miracles in here? You know, here's the thing. I can't ever get up here and preach five steps to a miracle, six steps to a miracle, ten steps to a breakthrough. I won't preach that because if I did that, it wouldn't be a miracle. But a miracle is when God shows up and there's a suddenly in your life. Like everything's been the same and then all of a sudden there's a suddenly that takes place. There's a provision suddenly. There's a healing suddenly. There's a decision of favor suddenly that happens that shouldn't have happened. Have you ever experienced that? Where God did something for you that wasn't supposed to happen? Like you, you were supposed to get, let's get real, you were supposed to get fired, but you still got a job. Anybody else in that situation with none that got fired, but you still got a job. God made a decision for you for a provision that you didn't qualify for. Come on, let's be real. People, there was 10 people who were on paper more qualified than you, but because the favor of God was on your life, it suddenly showed up. See, this, this is when you can live free and you can live emotionally healthy when you realize that everything is not dictated upon your own perception of yourself, but upon the power of God and the favor of God that rests upon your life. This is why everybody else, you'll have situations and people tell you, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this. But God shows up and says, no, I'm going to move this way for you. Why? Just because I love you. I'm not a slave to my circumstances. Well, that's really exciting, preacher, but show it to me in the word. I'm so glad you asked. No, despite all these things, overwhelming what? Is whose? Ours, through Christ, who what? So I have victory because Christ loved me. Say, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible 
tells me so. See, sometimes everything in deep when you're going through something and you're going through depression and you're going through the enemies coming against your life, you guys say, you know what? I don't have a deep prayer. I don't have I don't know all the scriptures, but I know Jesus loves me. And because he loves me, I have the victory because he loves me. Say, I'll get through this. I'm telling you how to fight your battle and stay emotionally healthy. You got to know how to talk to yourself. Because the, the world is talking to you, your circumstances are talking to you, and when they're talking to you, when the enemy says, you know what, I'm taking you out, you're going to lose this, you're not going to have this, you're never going to get better, you're going to stay sick, you got to say, shut up, devil, and say, Jesus loves me. And I have the victory. You're not a victor, you're not a victim, but a victor. I talked a little bit last week about the fact that sometimes when we get into relationships with other people, we feel a pressing need to rehearse every instance of our past all the time. You with me? Something in us says, in order for you to know the real me, then I've got to tell you everything about my past all the time. And what I want to do is bring some balance to that. Most people, this, does not, this is not nearly as harsh as it sounds. Most people don't need to hear your history 10 times. Tell them what they need to know to understand you, to understand why you might communicate a certain way. But after that, it's time to stop hitting the rewind button because your mind doesn't know the difference between actually going through it and rewinding it over and over again. Am I helping somebody? This is why you can have a dream and wake up sweating. Because your body doesn't know the difference. So you replay things in your mind that you've been through over and over and over again. How many of you know you, what you're doing, you're actually going through it over and over again? And sometimes you got to say, you know what, I've been through it, but God brought me through it. Now I'm here, so let's deal with where I am, not where I've been. Amen. Come on. I'm trying. Somebody caught revelation on that. You can go to the next level in your life. You can move past where you are when you stop living where you've been. How many of you ever moved before? How many of you like it? Like the process of it? You know why we don't like it? Because when we move, watch this. When we move, we got to look at all the stuff we collected. Somebody caught it. Ogle, you caught it, didn't you? You got to look at everything you collected over the years. And no matter how small your space is, you never really think you collected all of that stuff until you have to move. Most people in most relationships, you have two opposites. I'm going to help you with it. You have me, who's like, okay, grab garbage bags, throw it all away. Raise your hand if you're that person. You also have another thing. You have the one who wants to keep everything. No, we, watch this. This is, y'all laughing, but this is revelation. I'm telling you. Then you got the other person who either wants to keep everything or find somebody to give it to. Think spiritually. As you laugh, think spiritually. Because when God gets ready to move us, 
Sometimes we got to look at the stuff we collected where we are. And you can't throw everything away. Watch this. But you can't keep everything either. But the most dangerous part is to take something that should be thrown away and try and give it away to somebody else. And that's what we do spiritually. When God is moving, with, moving us and we got to look at stuff, now we interact with other people. And I meet you, John, and not, I don't throw it away. I say, now I'm going to try and put on you what I've collected all these years. Say, throw it away. Say, let it go. I heard you. <laughs> what you refuse to let go of, you will intentionally or unintentionally give away to other people. And now you expect them to carry, watch this, what you should have threw away. I can't help it, Pastor. Deuteronomy 30.19 says this. It says, today I've given you the choice, say the choice, between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose what? Life. So that you and your descendants might live. Say, it's not about me. See, you got to make decisions that will bless your offspring. And some of us are so selfish not you, not, not, not any of you, because y'all are great, wonderful people. But in case anyone is listening to the podcast <laughs> that falls in this category, you can't make decisions just based on you. You got to think, okay, if I got offspring, are they going to be blessed by my decisions? See, he said when we choose life, we're choosing and making a decision that will affect generations beyond us. So I got to do right, not just for me, so that my son and my daughter can be blessed. And, and here's the bigger thing. Here's the bigger thing. I'm not even talking about tangibly now. Think about this. Your children are going to look at you, and that's going to be the filter of how they make decisions. So the, the honest question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we want them to make decisions using the same filter we've used all these years? This is why emotional health is important. Doesn't make you shout. Doesn't make you scream. Doesn't make you run around the church. But it's important because do you want them to evaluate decisions the same way you do? Think about the biggest, just for two seconds, about the biggest mistake you made in your life and ask yourself if you want your kids to filter their decisions the same way. How many of you, I made a mistake in my life, have you? Have you gotten it right all the time? So in those moments where you're like, I really messed this one up. And you think about your state of mind, because most of, most of the time when we make those type of decisions, it's an issue with our state of mind at the time. We're just not in the right frame of mind at all. Sometimes we make decisions because we're distracted. The worst thing in the world is distracted decisions. How do you know that? This is why a head-on collision can happen because someone looks down at their phone for two seconds. It only takes a minute to be distracted to make a destructive decision. Say focus. If feelings dominate, a neuro neurochemical rush can start to distort them in the direction of fear, which results in stress. Emotions out of control will completely block your ability to think things through. This is the stuff we don't talk about in church anymore. Because everything is, lay your hands on me, I'll be all right. 
pray for me, I'll be all right. Do this, I'll be all right. But sometimes you'll be all right when you stop and just think things through. I got upset, but what did I do with how upset I was? Most of us, when something upsets us, see, the beautiful thing about the, the word of God is it always gives us an answer. If you have something against your brother, go to him and show him his fault just between you and him. Right? That's what scripture says. In other words, if there's a misunderstanding between me and you, John, the Bible says I need to get on the phone and call you and we need to talk about it. And that means that we can solve it without anybody else knowing that there was ever a problem. But you know what we do? If we have art against our brother, let me go to Facebook and tell the world. And so let me go and tell my 5,000 friends what I should have said to one person. Say emotional control. Most of us wouldn't go into a stadium of 5,000 people and shout that problem, but we'll go do it on social media because we have no emotional control. <laughs> but the Bible says, go to him just between you and him and show him his fault. If he repents, forgive him. Most times if you do that, the person didn't even know they did something wrong. Have you ever been there? You were riled up about what somebody did and they didn't even know they were wrong. They didn't even know. Just sincerely, I, I didn't know it affected you that way. I, did, I, I didn't, it was just a joke. I didn't mean, you know, what you thought it meant. We'll finish that in February. Whatever we focus on, the most will grow and influence our perspectives and belief systems. I want you to take an honest inventory of your thought life right now. This is important because this is affecting the direction of your life right now. What do you think about you? What do you think about others? What do you think about your relationships? What do you think about the people you come in contact with? What do you think about God's plan for your life? What do you think about his vision for your life? All of these things affect the direction your life is going. The single most important thing we can do to be emotionally healthy is to take control of our thought life. How many of you have ever thought, I can't help it? Be honest. I, I can't help it. One seed and something starts. One person walks past you and doesn't say hello and you think you're worthless. I can't help it is the biggest lie that the enemy can make us believe. Say what I tolerate will always continue. This becomes a powerful statement when we, we make it personal, when it's not about what other people are doing to us, but about what I allow of myself. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Imaginations. Cast them down. This is what happens. A picture starts in your mind, and before you realize it, you're watching it like you're watching a television show, and it's affecting your decisions. Fears, anxieties, worries, stress, all of these things. And then, and then some good things that may not be God things as well. And before we do that, if we don't cast down these things that are going on in our mind, they control us. A stronghold is a mental fortress. Think about that for a minute. That's what a stronghold is. So the enemy seeks to build these in our minds. And the more years that he spends building them, sometimes the harder it is to tear them down. 
But we have a responsibility to bring every one of our thoughts into alignment with the thoughts of God. Why? As he thinks in his heart, so is he. How we think in our hearts. Not what we say, but what's going on on the inside. How I think in my heart. That's who I really am. Our identity will be either realized or distorted based on our thought life. How many of you know that old saying, what, sticks and stones? Y'all finish it. But? How many of you know that's a lie? That's what we were taught going to school, right? When, when, you came home, when you came home crying. I know you see this nice, buff person before you now. <laughs> but the best way I like to describe myself growing up is if you could imagine a pencil with a watermelon on top of it. <laughs> That, that's, that was, so that was me at that time. Most of high school, until I decided I wanted to play a sport and decide to. Anyway, my point is this. I would come home sometimes crying because of what people said about me, making fun of my clothes, making fun of my glasses, making fun of whatever it was. And you would be told, you know what? They're just words, right? They can't hurt you. But let me tell you something. If you internalize what's said about you, they can do damage that you don't realize. And if we don't deal with them and uproot them when they happen, watch this. You're making somebody in your 40s pay for something that happened when you were 15. And sometimes it starts with being honest. Say, you know what? The reason I respond this way is because this is what happened to me when I was 12 years old. And so every time you treat me, watch this. Can, am I being real with y'all? Is this helping? Every, every time you treat me a certain way, it takes me back to 12. It's not, it's not that I don't like you and I can't relate to you properly, but your treatment of me is taking me back to a place that I hate because it reminds me that what people said to me made me hate myself. Back to the first quote. If I hate what I see, <laughs> when I look in the mirror, I won't be able to change the world. I want you to say something that's going to be hard for you to say. I want you to say it boldly. Say, I love me. It's hard, wasn't it? Feels arrogant. Feels like somebody's twisting. For some of us, it feels like we're twisting our own arm to say, I love me. Say it again. I love me. When this is dear to my heart, so I promise you I'll be done. When you love you, it will affect how you allow yourself to be treated. And this is where I find many people, they they go into disastrous um, friendships, disastrous relationships, not because they hate other people, but because they hate themselves. This is why someone who is abused will continue to go back to an abuser. You get my point here? I know they're not good for me, but I'll keep going back because I hate me. Our lives will always move in the direction of our most dominant and consistent thoughts. So what do we need to do? Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth.
how do I do this, Pastor? You've talked for 40-something minutes about getting emotional control, getting control of your thought life. How do I do that? Because what happens in church Sunday after Sunday, we're all guilty of it at times, is we tell you what to do, but we don't tell you how to do it. You have to make a commitment to practice things that will help you. Inevitably, um, I'll give you an example before I go to the last scripture, but inevitably, someone could go to my friend, Brother John, and say, John, I need to lose some weight. I, need to, I want to be in shape like you. I'm sure, without us talking, you've had this conversation. And you'll say to them, well, you need to start with this, do this, and do this. And the response most of the time is, well, I want to do this. <laughs> right? And it should work the same way, <laughs> right, as what you suggested will work. God gives us answers in his word. And some of us, we have a bend in our flesh towards looking for a different way other than the way he's given us. So how do you take control of your thought life? Here it is in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, say true. Say true. So I got to know what's true, first of all. Whatsoever things are, what, honest? Whatsoever things are just? Whatsoever things are pure? Whatsoever things are lovely? Whatsoever things are of good report? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what are we supposed to do? Think on these things. What does it mean to think? The word think means to make a mental calculation. It's actually a mathematical term. It means to calculate. And so God tells us that when we make our mental, spiritual, and emotional calculations, we're supposed to make them on these things right here. So I need to spend my time, watch, intentional. This is why we're fasting, and this is why we're praying, because we're being intentional about taking control of our spiritual life and our thought life. And so... Here's what it looks like. When Tony says something to me, if I disagree with what he says, I have to go back rather than get upset and get emotional about it. I got to think as to whether what he's saying is what? True. Most important thing. Is his heart true? Is what he's saying true? Y'all get this? Is this making sense? And this is why we, 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 have, we have fights and arguments and disagreements because rather we want to deal with what we perceive rather than what's actually true. Let's go deeper. When the enemy lies to you about you, you got to go back to what's true. You're a failure. You're this. You're that. You're the other. Nobody's ever going to, all these stuff that we say, nobody's ever going to want you. But Jesus says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I got so many problems, so many imperfections, but Jesus says, you're my workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. This is wrong with me, that's wrong with me. But in Genesis, he says that you're created in the image of God, in his likeness. So that mental conversation, go on and stand to your feet, I'm done, Um, we're gonna worship, but when we make those mental Emotional decisions, you got to make them based on what is true, what he said about you. Relate to other people based on what he said about you. 
not on your past, not on your failures, not on your mistakes, but on what he said about you. Here's what I want to do, this last song. Here's the invitation. Close every, every, every head bowed, every eye closed for just a second. You be honest and say, nobody looking around, saying, you know what? I, I need help in this area. I can see where some of my decisions have been swayed this way. I can see where my, my self-worth and my value has been swayed this way. Don't leave them up, but just so I know who I'm praying for. If that's you, just slip your hand quickly up and put it down. Just, just okay, amen, amen, amen. I appreciate your transparency. I appreciate your, your honesty. Here's what I want you to do in this last song. It's an invitation. Listen to the words of the song that they sang. And I want you to just give God, just spiritually, in your mind, picture yourself exposing your heart, your fears, your anxieties, your worries, your struggles, your perception of yourself, your belief of whether God is or isn't going to move in your life, your belief of if or ever it's going to get better or worse in your life. I want you to lay it all before him as we sing this song. And as you do that, I believe he's going to move in your life. I believe he's going to do something in your life. Um, You're still here for a reason. Ending it is not an option. I don't know what, God, why you hear me saying this? Ending it is not an option. Running away is not an option. Giving up is not an option. Quitting is not an option because he's got breath in your life right now. And if you just hold on, uh, God will see you through. But give him your heart as we do this last song. Lift your hands all over the building. I want you to do something with me. Just repeat after me and do it boldly. As we walk out of here, I want you to say this and I want you to to believe it. Say, Jesus, you love me. When all else fails, I know that you love me. Imperfect and all. Flaws and all. Mistakes and all. I know that you love me. You have my best in mind. Your plan for me is a perfect plan. I'm an imperfect person, but you have a perfect plan. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for increase. Thank you for favor. Lord, I'm not a victim or a prisoner to the labels that they, whoever they is, have put on me. I'm fully equipped. I'm fully adequate to be and to do everything you've created me to do. This week shall be the best week of my life. I thank you for favor. I thank you because decisions are working out for me and not against me. Even now, you're building relationships for me. You're making me stronger. You're building my faith, my courage, my resolve. 
thank you that 2020, I shall lay hold to everything that you have for me. I realize that it won't be without a fight. But I praise you from the bottom of my heart because the fight is fixed. The decision is determined. And I am victorious. I'm totally healthy, totally whole, mind, emotions, spirit, soul, body. I am totally whole. I believe it. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Y'all have a great week. Don't leave till I get to fist bump you or shake your hand. God bless you.